you found 1 Samuel 16, and if you're able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us and we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. 1 Samuel 16 and beginning in verse number 6. <clears throat> Just want to read these two verses, verses 6 and 7, and share with you what God has laid on our hearts for this meeting. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Thank you, sir. The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us. That was just what the doctor ordered, John Daniel. Thank you. The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for the Lord looketh, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. Now Samuel had prophesied to Saul in chapter 15 concerning Saul's rejection by the Lord. Saul had rejected the word of the Lord, and God had rejected Saul from being king over Israel. Therefore Samuel followed the leadership of God to the house of Jesse where the Lord said you'll locate the next king, the one on whom the Lord has set his spirit to anoint as the king of Israel. At the house of Jesse, Samuel immediately encountered Eliab, the eldest son of Jesse. And he was greatly impressed. One reason why he was impressed was because he was tall of stature. That ought to sound familiar if you remember your Bibles. The reason the people were so impressed with Saul was because he stood head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Now, I don't know why this thing of being tall is supposed to make you a good king, but apparently that seemed to be the qualifications that they looked at. Some of you fellows, it's not uh, a very high stature. You have no royalty in you. I mean, you're just, uh, just the way that it is. Short people can't be kings, I guess. They're afraid of them getting the Napoleonic syndrome or something. Something like that. JB said he's not going to get to be king. And so, disappoint, hate to disappoint you this morning, King JB. But it's just the way that they looked at it. These men that were ahead and shoulders higher. But here's the thing. God does not see as man seeth. When men saw is Saul, they saw a man who because of his stature both physically and intellectually and how that he impressed others. They saw him as a natural born leader. He's a giant among men. He is a man among boys. He just stood out in the crowd, a commanding presence. And yet this man Saul had rejected the Lord and God had rejected him. And the Lord said, there's a man at Jesse's house, but yet when he gets there, Samuel does. He looks for the same thing that he saw in Saul. He looks for the same traits. And when he sees this young man, Eliab, he says, that's him. Tall, strong, dark, handsome. And God says, that's not him. You're looking wrong. You're looking the way men look. But I'm not looking for the one that is physically imposing. I'm not looking for the one who outwardly appears to be able to play the part. I'm looking for a man who's got a heart after me. I'm looking for a man after God's own heart. 
And matter of fact, nobody saw it. Nobody saw in David what the Lord saw. If you find out the father of David, Jesse brings all of his boys before Samuel. Samuel looks on each one of them. God says, this is not the one, this is not the one, this is not the one. Finally, Samuel asked Jesse, said, do you not have another? Is there not another besides? He said, well, there's one, but he's the youngest and he's out there in uh, the field keeping the sheep. He's just a ruddy lad. There's not much to him. He doesn't amount to much. He's just the wormy one of the bunch. He's, uh, he's uh, you know, sort of the runt of the litter and uh, he's probably the least impressive one of, of all my boys. Surely one of these would be better than him. Matter of fact, all of these are better than him. I, I wouldn't even count him as a potential candidate. And Saul said, you might not. Or Samuel says, you might not. But we will not see it until he comes. And he's going to be king. God has chosen him. Of course, we see through the rest of David's life how that the Lord's hand was upon him. But I want to focus this morning on this in verse 7 where the, though Samuel has said, surely this is the one. He saw what he saw and said, surely this is the one. But God said, I don't see things the same way you see things. And so this morning I'm preaching about as God sees. As God sees. God had rejected physically impressive men to anoint the man after God's own heart. And really as I'm talking about this this morning, there are three things that I want to impress upon you and a few things about those things, but focus on these three things this morning. First of all, I want to impress upon you that we do not see as God sees. We do not see as God sees. The Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Secondly, we do not see as the world sees. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we, those of us who are saved, who know the Lord, who are believers in Christ, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Have the Lord to see God. We don't see as God sees. We don't see as the world sees. And thirdly this morning, we don't see as we are going to see. We don't see as we are going to see. As the song well says, I have never seen the face of Jesus, but one day, one day I will. I have never seen the sights of that city, but one day, one day I will. We don't see as God sees. We don't see as the world sees. And we don't see as we are going to see. I want to tell you this morning, we don't see as God sees, but God sees the heart. He said man looks on the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, looketh upon the heart. You see, He looks on the heart and He knows it. Hey, you may think this morning that you know what's in someone else's heart, but you do not see as God sees. How we best keep our focus to that that is of the outward appearance, for we do not have the authority, power, wisdom, or knowledge to discern the matters of the heart. That is, the heart is the Lord's territory. All I can tell is what you appear to be. All I can see is what to you uh, presents yourself to be. But God looks on the inward man. The Lord 
Lord not only sees what you appear to be, but He knows what you really are. Amen. We can tell how men look, but He can tell what they are. But we should well look on the outward part, for we are unfit to judge the inner man. We cannot know or see it. First Peter chapter 3, verse 4 said, But let it be the hidden, uh, the hidden man of the heart, hidden that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Have the Lord values this man on the inside. The Lord values the heart. Going to make an observation this morning. If you get your feelings hurt about the observation, well, it may be one of those things where you just have to say if the shoe fits, wear it. But this morning, I want to make an observation. I saw the other evening as we were riding down, I guess it was last night, and we were riding down the road, and there was a car filled with young people, and a boy driving maybe 20, 25 years old, and there was uh, three uh, younger uh, younger kids, and I won't say children, but younger teenagers and so forth, early 20s possibly, probably teenagers in the back seat, and a young lady that was about maybe 18 to 22 sitting in the uh, passenger seat, all of them somewhere between 16 and 25, and every person, including the driver, had their telephones out, and they weren't talking on the phone, oh no, every one of them had their telephones out, and the camera on the phone flipped around to stare at themselves, and taking pictures of themselves while they were riding down the road, all five of them taking pictures of themselves while they were riding down the road, I'm going to tell you something, we are in a generation that is consumed with the appearance of the outward man, that is wrapped up in how everything looks, it's an Instagram selfie society, and I'm telling you that mess is not of God, it is not of the Lord, it is carnal, it is sensual, it is devilish, it is self-centered, it is man-centered, and it is ungodly, and if you have a daily habit of taking a picture of yourself, it may be indicative of a problem on the inside of your heart, that you value the outward man too much and have ignored the inward man. It would do us well this morning to take a Holy Ghost camera and to look down on the inside of our hearts and say, Lord, search me, try me, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. God does not see as man sin. Make no mistake about it, God sees your outward person. But God does not value what's on the outward person as well as what He values what's on the inward person. If you're everything you want to be and appear to be outwardly, but inwardly it is not true, then you're a hypocrite. And you're disingenuous, dishonest. And you will self-destruct. Oh, but friend, if on the inside you're true to God and you love the Lord and you have a heart for God, that will then manifest itself in a good testimony outwardly. But let it begin in the heart which is in the sight of God a great price. God valued in David that which he could see but man could not see. God sees the heart. I want to say this morning God sees as we do not see. We do not see as God sees. God 
this sees the heart. And then God sees not only the heart, but God sees the harvest. God sees the harvest. And John chapter 4, Brother Peace preached a little bit about this this week. And John chapter 4, the Bible said in verse 35, and Jesus speaking, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And the Lord saw something in the field that man could not see. And He encouraged us to lift up our eyes, look to the field, see the harvest, and see it as the Lord sees it. And you see, when we look at the field, and we look at the field and see what's out there, a man sees labor, but God sees love. A man sees hard work, but God sees harvest. Man sees sweat, but God sees souls. Amen. I remember when I was a boy, the uh, Sidney Page sitting at the, uh, at the time mock, sitting at the piano and singing again and again. My children all want to sit at my table, but no one wants to work in my field. When it comes time for feeding, for blessings, for love, everybody wants to sit at the table of the Lord and feast. But it seems like nobody wants to get into the field. The reason why we don't I want to go to the field is because we don't see the field the same way the Lord sees. We see labor. We see work. We see a sweat. But God sees love. He sees a harvest. He sees souls. The Lord does not see as we see. And we don't see as God sees. It'll do us well this morning to have an eye-opening experience for the Lord to cause us to see things from His point of view, from His from His vantage point. We cannot do that in and of ourselves. Our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. As far above the heaven as the heavens is above the earth, so also are His thoughts above our thoughts. We can't think or see or dwell or understand or comprehend what He does but he can open our eyes that we may see that old prophet of God that was surrounded by the enemy soldiers here he is by the Bible's admission a bald headed old man and a somewhat frail and weak and he's a soft spoken preacher and he's very different than a lot of the prophets of the Bible and yet he's got the anointing of God all over his life and the king of Syria sends the soldiers down there to surround his house because they said he's an enemy spy. He tells the king all the secrets of the adversary. And so they surround him. The servant comes in unto him and says, Elisha, Master, what shall we do? I said, we're surrounded. And he began to pray and say, Lord, would you open his eyes that he may see that there's more of us than what there is of them. And when the servant saw, he looked and he said, wait a minute, there's just two of us. And I've done been out there and looked, and there are thousands of them, hosts of them, the Bible says. 
Thousands of those soldiers enough to surround the whole city and to said there's not as many of us as what there is of them. Not even close. I'm not real good at math, but I can count to two. We are outnumbered. But he saw not as God sees. And when Elisha began to pray and he said, Lord, open his eyes. He went back out and looked again. And he saw that above those soldiers were chariots of fire and angels all around them and camped about and there was more of us than what there was of them. And my friend, the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and then he closed the eyes of the soldiers and he struck them with blindness. And Elisha and his servant took that whole group of men, all the soldiers, and led them like little children blind inside the city gates and they locked the gates behind them and somebody standing up on the wall said can we kill them now can we kill them can we slay them should we slay them now I mean they were itching just to slaughter every enemy soldier and the prophet of God said no prepare a meal and feed them when your enemy hunger feed him when he thirsts give him to drink amen friend and God opened their eyes and they realized that they were surrounded. The soldiers were surrounded. And my friend, then they were smothered with kindness. And they came to understand that day that we do not see as God sees. Amen. 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 So we do not see as God sees. Secondly, this morning, we do not see as the world sees. You see, saved people have a different vision. We have had something much more powerful than LASIK corrective surgery performed on us. He has altered our worldview. He has altered our heart view. He has altered the way we see things from the inside. Amen. And He has changed our perception. How we see differently than the world sees. We see a God that is invisible to the world. Hebrews 11 27 the Bible said by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What about that now? Oh if I could just see God I'd believe in him. If I could just uh, if I could put my hands on it if I could define it if I could understand it then I would believe it. But you are waiting for something that will not happen. God will either be received on the basis of faith, which is things not seen, or else you will never receive Him. For without faith it is impossible. Please God, for he that cometh to Him must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Jesus is the manifestation of the invisible God. He lets us see what man could not see. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 said he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him in the Old Testament they had many gods the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and my friend and all the other ites they had many gods and 
Have they had many things that they worshipped? They'd worship the moon. They would worship the sun. They would worship mythical gods that dwelt in mountains. Have they would worship pieces of rocks and stones and wood and metal that had been carved and formed with their own hands. But they refused to worship a God they could not see. But as children of God this morning, we're not gathered here today to worship a building. You can see the building. We're not worship gathering here today to worship the instruments or to I worship the preacher, Lord, no. Or to worship the members or to worship religion or to worship the Baptist. But brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. He is invisible. Amen. And surely as what is invisible is also invincible. He is the almighty God. He is the most high God. And though you may not see him by the natural eye today, the child of God sees what the world does not see. And the world eats food and it drinks water and breathes air and never even considers where it comes from. But the child of God when he eats his food, he sees the providing hand of the Lord. When he drinks his water, he realizes God took two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, put them together so as to feed and to nourish his body. When he breathes in and he breathes out, he says that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. And the child of God does not look at the roof over his head and to say, I have provided this. He looks at the roof over his head and says, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Have a roof up above me. Have a good place to sleep. I have food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. We do not see as the world sees. The world looks at their bank account and if it's empty, they say, oh Lord, what will I do? If it's full, they say, my, my, ain't it awesome? What a great job I've done. But the child of God, when it's empty, they say, Lord, I'm depending on you. And when it is full, they say, Lord, it's all because of you. And we do not see as the world sees. We see a God that is invisible to the world. The gods of the Old Testament heathens were visible and they were false. Everything you can see is temporal. Everything you can see is here today and gone tomorrow. I mean the pew you're sitting on won't last forever. Some of them, matter of fact, have been repaired and been repaired and been repaired. Probably need to be repaired again. And eventually they'll be beyond repair. The pew you're sitting on is temporal. The house you live in, the car you drive, the body you dwell in. This is all temporal. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Everything you can see, touch, feel, all these things, if it is real, if it is substantial, if it is earthly matter, as science would define that word matter, then it is for the temporal. But if you can't see it, it is forever. The things that are invisible last forever. The things that are invisible last time, past time and into eternity. 
that your body is temporal, that your soul is forever. You can't put your fingers on it. You can't hold on to it. It's the property of God. It is the property of heaven. It is the property of eternity. And my friend, it is the eternal part of man. That which you can see is temporal. That which you cannot see is eternal. And it's because the God sees not as man sees. And when you get in tune with heaven, you start seeing differently than the world sees as well. We see a God that is invisible. I want to tell you this morning, we see a gospel that is hidden. We see a gospel that is hidden. Man does not see the same that is an unbeliever as those who know the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 or chapter 4 verse number 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. I mean in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. My friend, this gospel of the Lord Jesus, it is hid that them that are lost. I'm thinking this morning about Moses when he comes into the land of Egypt and he says to Pharaoh, God told me to come tell you to let his people go. And he said, I don't know this God you're talking about and I will not let them go. Are you listening to me this morning when I say this world that we are living in does not know the gospel of my friend nor the God we are talking about. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world you wonder why everybody don't just fall in love with him like you do. You wonder why everybody don't just embrace him the way that you embrace him. He's the most wonderful thing the fairest of 10,000 to your soul that dearest friend that you've ever had the purest lily of the valley the sweetest smelling rose of Sharon on the mountaintop. He's the bride and morning star. He's a day star. His love lights away in your life. He's your beloved. He's your bridegroom. He's your baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He's your Savior. He's your captain of your salvation. He's the author and finisher of your faith. And you wonder how on planet earth can everybody just not love him? And yet when you tell somebody about him, they look at you with that puzzled look. And I'm going to tell you why. They really don't know who Jesus Jesus is. And you can tell and you can tell and you can tell and you should tell and you should tell and you should tell. But until God opens their eyes that they may see as He wants them to see that gospel that is hid is hid to them that are lost. I'm going to tell you something you young people has been raised in church. Y'all tune in just a minute here. It does not matter if you're a preacher's kid. It doesn't matter if you spent your life on a church pew and if you've grown up on the altar. Truth is, our children can hear us talk about God, church, the Bible, Jesus, salvation, but they do not see what we see until the Lord opens their eyes. Amen.
It had been almost impossible to bring a child up in more church, if you want to call it that, than what I was brought up in. It would almost be impossible. I wouldn't say it wouldn't be, but it would be almost impossible. I mean, it would be almost impossible to go to church more often. It would be almost impossible to go to church as a preach the truth uh, more directly to your soul. It wouldn't be impossible, I think, to find people that would love your soul any more than the saved people around me love me and try to tell me about Christ. It would be almost impossible to pour more of the Scriptures and of the truth and whatever into them. I had all of those things. And I knew, I could tell you before I was ever saved, I could tell you the verses of the Bible more than most saved people can. I could quote to you the Scriptures. I could tell you how to be saved. I've had a many of folks told them how to be saved. I showed them what the Bible said of what it took. He even knew the truth of the revelation of the Spirit must take place in a person's life. But I did not see as the same man sees. Oh, but praise God for the blessed night over 30 years ago where the Holy Ghost of God came to where I was. I brooded over my soul. I gave me an eye-opening experience. And I saw Jesus as more than a man from the Bible. I saw Him as more than the Savior of sinners. I saw Him more than just a judge or even the sacrifice. But I saw Him as my very best friend and my only hope everything that I would ever need I realized it was not in anything else except the Lord when I saw who he was I saw who I was which scared me to death and I knew I needed him to save me not only from what I had done but from the person that I was and the Lord saved my soul did everything he ever promised that he would do gave me life eternal life abundant and made that life real to me revealed himself unto me opened my eyes and I didn't really realize before I got saved how little I was seeing or how blind I was until God opened my eyes but praise God he opened my blinded eyes that day and let me see who Jesus is If you're lost this morning, I would to God the Holy Spirit of the Lord through the preaching of the Word of God would reach deep into the chasm of your soul and to seek you and turn the light of the glorious gospel on in your life that you may realize there is a God somewhere and He does love the world and when He loved the world it wasn't the trees and the the highways and it was not the buildings or the animals or the fish and the sea but when He loved the world it was the people in the world that he loved. It was the souls of men that he loved. He was not looking on the outward appearance, but looking on the heart. And when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. And he wants to save you. And that is the gospel. And if this morning the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to that, it will not be a hidden gospel, but it will be a revealed gospel unto your soul. Salvation this day is coming to thine house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. He told old Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus said, I just, I gotta climb a tree to see Jesus. I'm willing to do anything to see Jesus. But he didn't know how to see Jesus. And had Jesus not spoken to him, I don't know if he would have even known which man was Jesus. For in him there was no beauty that we should desire him. When we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. In other words, the world didn't appreciate who walked among them. 
John the Baptist said he stands among you and you know him not. He's right beside you and you're not aware of him. You don't even believe in him. He came into his own and his own received him not. Oh, but thank God when Jesus looked up that tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. If I shall abide at thy house. And Zacchaeus came down and began to make confession, began to confess his sin, began to repent of his sin. And Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. And for this day is salvation come unto your house. Oh, sinner friend, if you're lost this morning and the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and Jesus is speaking to your soul and don't doubt him even one second. This day, this day on Sunday, my friend July, whatever day it is, is salvation come unto your house. Amen. The Lord wants to save you and change your life. Open your eyes to the gospel that is hidden. Now, in the Old Testament, there is no occasion of the word gospel in the entire Old Testament. Everybody hearing that this morning? The whole Old Testament, not even one time does it use the word gospel. Not once. Then why do we talk so much about the gospel? Every time I turn around, that preacher's talking about how the most important thing is the preaching of the gospel. I go into bookstores from time to time and I'll see 101 reasons why X, Y, and Z. Y'all ever seen that? I mean, it's all over the place. 101 reasons why this happens, that happens, whatever. 101 reasons why, 101 reasons why, 101 Let me give you 101 reasons why we preach the gospel. In the New Testament, the word gospel is found 101 times. Hallelujah. It is not in that Old Testament even one time, but in the New Testament it is there 101 times. You know why? It's not the gospel of religion. It's not the gospel of the law. It's not the gospel, my friend, of the sacrifice. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news, good news, good news. Woo! I tell you, the law ain't good news. The soul that sinned, then shall surely die. And my friend, the law is not good news. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And if you do, you'll die. But I tell you, the law came by Moses. The grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And that is good news, good news, good news. Praise God, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Though man was under condemnation, though man was and my friend guilty of his sin no man was sentenced unto death praise God Jesus took our place died for us that we might not die he came that we might have life and life more abundantly and that is good news that is gospel hallelujah that Old Testament crowd didn't even know it. And most of them who lived on the end of the New Testament didn't understand it when they saw it. But praise God on the day of Pentecost when the whole slew of them opened their eyes to see it. They say, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Get things right with God. Trust in Jesus. And the Lord saved 3,000 in one day. A gospel that's hidden to the world. 
God has revealed it unto us so it was closed up and hidden in images and types and illustrations. Yeah. In the Old Testament, the word gospel is not there, but the lesson of it is they didn't know how to understand it. They didn't know how to interpret it. They didn't understand because Christ had not come. Christ had not yet been glorified. They didn't understand those things, but they were there. And then God revealed them unto us in the New Testament. Amen. Galatians 3 and 23, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. By the way, we're living in the afterwards. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Ephesians 3 and 3 said how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2 and 10. That God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, even the deep things of God. 1 Peter 1 and 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister these things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Amen. We have the gospel revealed unto us. So, we don't see as God sees. We don't see as the world sees. But I want to tell you something else. We don't see like we're going to see. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have never seen the face of Jesus, but one day I will. I've never seen the sights of that city, but one day I will. We do not see as as we will see. 1 Corinthians 13 and 9. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away. When I was a child, as big as a child, understood as a child, and thought as a child. That is, I used to not see as I now see. But he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things oh praise God but he said even now as an adult now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face I don't yet see as I'm going to see and now I know in part but then I shall know even as also I am known I'm going to see differently than what I see now hallelujah and now I look through a glass darkly you know what the dark glass is it is the veil of this flesh and now I'm looking through a body of death on the inside looking out of my eyes and there is a man that loves Jesus with his whole heart and with this outward man is at enmity with God and it's like a man staring through a dim glass and though I want to see I've got a hindrance there is a barrier that is at enmity between me and God this natural man but praise God this natural man will be put away and we'll put on that which is like and under Christ praise God and then we shall know but then he says today glass darkly but then face to face for now I know in part but then I shall know even as also I am known I'm telling you we don't yet see as we will see hallelujah can you imagine you can't matter of fact I'm not going to ask you that I'm just going to tell you that how about that instead of me asking you if you can imagine 
with incredulity. I'm just going to tell you, you can't imagine. As a fact, you cannot imagine seeing things the way God does. Right in the middle of your trouble. Oh, now the skies are falling, chicken little. It's worse than what anybody realizes. And yet you can't see it the way God sees it. You realize if you could see things the way God sees them, you wouldn't panic about nothing. I mean, if you could learn to see the things the way God, all this anxiety that just overwhelms people, if you could see things the way God sees them, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Every time the wind blows, you wouldn't have to worry about the house collapsing in on you. If you could just see things the way God sees it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, think about that. You say, well, preacher, sooner or later, it is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. And if you sell things the way that God sees them, you might even die. But if you could see things the way God sees them, that wouldn't upset you too much either. How precious in the sight of the Lord. Are you listening? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. I mean, if you've seen things the way God sees them even if you saw that you was going to die that wouldn't bother you so much either I mean everything would be different if you saw things the way God sees them but we don't see that way oh but we're going to we do not see as we shall see 1 Timothy 6 and 19 laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life we're going to lay hold on it, friend. It's going to become a present reality. Amen. We do not see as we will see. And I want to say tonight or this morning, we do not see what we will see. Right now, we're looking at a world of sin and sorrow. If you look around and if you look down, it sure is discouraging. But if you look up, it's different. Amen. First Corinthians 2 and 9, But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have it entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Oh, but if you'll look up, he says, God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. We believe now, but we will see. For 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. First Peter 1 and 8, Whom having not seen you love, in whom now, through now, though you see Him not, how you believe Him, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 John 3 and 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. How beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we do know when He shall appear. We shall be like unto Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope purified himself, even as, he, even as the Lord is pure. We do not see... As we will see or what we will see. Brother, I have traveled lots and lots of miles in this world. Lots of miles by, by automobile, fair amount of miles by train, good number of miles by plane. Been in the, this country and in foreign countries. States all over the place and places of wealth and privilege and in places of impoverishment and desperation. But I'm going to tell you, I ain't never seen nothing like what I'm going to see. 
And as a boy that's grown up in the pasture all of my life, I never have seen a city that I thought I wanted to live in. I don't know what you think about that, but I never have seen a city. I don't care. I've been to some fancy ones. I've been in the high-rise buildings. I've eaten in restaurants sitting on the top floor of these fancy buildings that you had to ride 100 floors worth of elevators to get to a restaurant. I think that's stupid myself. And uh, it seemed like it would make a whole lot more sense to put it on the bottom floor. We could just all eat and walk out. But they thought it was cool to be on the top floor of that low-down building. I've never seen a city that I was that terribly impressed with. I've seen some mountains and I've seen some woods. I've seen some streams. I've seen a whole lot of pastures that I was real impressed with. I've even seen a few golf courses alike. But I have never seen a city where I wanted to live. But you see, I hadn't seen what I'm going to see. <laughs> there is a city, my friend, that's waiting for us, whose builder and maker is God and everything thing is right over there. It is exquisitely planned and uh, my friend, in every way perfectly constructed and there is nothing over there that's not right. Amen. This country boy is going to a city and it's a place, the first city I've ever been to that I want to stay in. Amen. Amen. I have not yet seen what I'm going to see. Hallelujah. I'd rather live in a 12 by 50 single wide trailer in the woods in the fanciest penthouse of my friend in the woods in Alabama even than the fanciest penthouse in Times Square in New York City. I don't like the city. I praise God I'm going to one that I fell in love with before I ever saw it. <laughs> I have not seen what I yet will see. I'm telling you, I can almost see the lights of home. I can almost see the lights of that city. And one day I will see it for myself. Mine eyes shall behold him and not another. Oh, what a blessed day that day is going to be. And even now I know my Redeemer liveth. And I know I'm going to see him for myself. Mark 10 tells us about old blind Bartimaeus. He heard Jesus was coming through town. He heard that Jesus did miracles. He heard about everything concerning the gospel. But he had never seen anything best we know. But yet whenever Jesus came through town, he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to shut him up, but he would not be denied till Jesus came. And they said, be of good cheer, Bartimaeus, arise, the master calleth for thee. They bring him unto Jesus, and the Lord said, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Hallelujah. And Jesus opened his eyes, and he followed Jesus in the way. Praise God. He saw what he could not have seen, had the Lord not touched him. This morning, there are people in our midst saved in center life that need to have an eye-opening experience. Lord, open our eyes that we may see as you would be pleased with. That we may see what we have not yet seen. That we may see as the world does not see. That we may see as you see. That we may understand your will. We get so wrapped up in this world. We get so consumed with these things, these eyes, and what they see, and then our gateway into the world. Some of you tonight, I'm not today. I'm not trying to be a smarty. I'm, t I'm making a very valid observation right now. Some of you have forgotten what life even looks like if it's not seen through a five-inch portal. Amen. 
There are people who cannot watch their children play a ball game with their eyes on the field. They have to watch through this. It's pitiful the day we're in. You see the lives of others here. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Marco Polo, which used to be a game in a in a swimming pool or some fella from over there in the old country. And now it's an app. The stupidity that has taken over our land because of these things. And it's messed up the way we see. There's some folks wearing eyeglasses or getting LASIK surgery because they spent too much time staring into that screen all night. Some people cannot perceive reality because all they've done is play these little games. And they, they, man, their goal in life is to make it to the next level in Candy Crush. It's silly. If I say it out loud, it sounds stupid. And there are full grown people living like that. We see through here, you will see as the world sees. You're staring into someone else's life and you think they got everything better than you do because all you see is their filtered pictures on Instagram. The last couple of weeks, the craze has been this face app. Russian technology takes your face on a selfie photo. Isn't it amazing? Takes your face on a selfie photo and morphs you into either a male or a female, whichever opposite gender show what you'd look like if you were a boy or girl, you know what and it's humorous. It's humorous. I'm not I'm not throwing rocks, it's humorous. Shows what you might would look like if you well, put twenty years worth of age on you. Some of you don't want to do that. You do not want to do that. Shows what you might look like. If uh, you were to be 15 or 20 years younger, some of you would love to do that. Shows what it looked like if you grew a full, full beard or shaved the beard off. And people have been consumed for a couple of weeks now. Media has been consumed. With uh, Media has been consumed with absolutely reporting on the craze about people looking at themselves. And what they could be if they were different. It'll take your picture and Hollywoodize it. That's not the term they use. But Hollywoodize it. And it will take and show what you would look like if the finest uh, surgeons, plastic surgeons in Hollywood and the greatest makeup artists went to work on you to make you look like a Hollywood starlet. You might find out you're a more amazing than what you thought you were. And this whole concept though it may again in its innocence is humorous it should be the whole concept that the devil wants to use with that is to get you looking at things differently than what God would you know what we ought to do this morning instead of staring into our faces and wondering what would be if, if this and if that and if this is let God turn the spotlight of heaven on our souls and say, Lord, search me and try me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that is upright. Lord, that I might receive my sight. There's a man in the Bible that received his sight and i got to finish preaching. I've done parenthetical preaching right now. There's a man in the Bible, God gives him his sight, and the Lord asks him, Dost thou see aught? 
Do you see anything at all? The Lord knew what He saw. He knew He didn't see anything to start with. He knew what He saw afterward. He knew what He saw on down the road. God knows everything. But He asked Him, do you see all, anything? He said, Lord, I see men as trees walking. I see men, but they're all out of proportion. My eyesight, I've got, I can see, but I don't see right. I don't see the way things are supposed to be. People are too big. People are too prominent. People are too important. People are bigger than what they ought to be in my life. Some of you this morning has got that same eye disease. And you don't see as God sees. You see the one that stands head and shoulders above the others. You see giants and you see yourself as a grasshopper. You don't see as God sees. You need the Lord to touch your eyes again. And when God saw or touched His eyes again, He saw clearly, the Bible says. This morning, some of you need a fresh touch that you might see clearly. Your, your sight is distorted. Your sight is out of line. And if, listen, the distortion of your sight is going to lead to the destruction of your life if God does not touch your eyes. You will stumble because of the flesh, the world, and the devil if God does not touch your eyes. Some of you this morning can't see how God's going to save somebody like you. You can't see how God's going to birth somebody like you in the family. You can't see how God would ever forgive your sins. But I'm telling you, you don't see how God sees. God wants to work in your life. You'll let Him. He'll open your eyes. He'll open your eyes. Everybody stand with us. I'm finished preaching. I've preached a whole lot more than I intended to. Jeremiah said... In lamentation, mine eye affecteth mine heart. Y'all hear that? Mine eye affecteth mine heart. The things you see and don't see affects what you think down on the inside. Your perception on the inside will be, will be determined by or influenced by the things you perceive on the outside of the eyes or your gateway to the heart. You've been looking at all the wrong things. You've been th looking at things all the wrong way. Did you know Jesus said you'd be better off if your eye offended you to just pluck it out and to go to heaven without that eye than what you would to go to hell whole? You need the Lord to open your eyes that you might see as God sees, see as God intends for you to see. One day see like we've never seen. This morning, somehow or another, down on the inside, you know it if it's true. You know you hadn't been looking at things right. Everything's just out of whack. Perception just ain't there. It's, not out of, it's out of balance. Me and his tree's walking. Something just ain't right. Maybe you don't even know what it is, but it's just not right. This morning, you need the heavenly optician. There's the word. The heavenly optometrist. To work on your eyes. To open your eyes that you might see. And He can help you. If you'll bring your cares to Him. He'll help you get things in the right order. Right perspective. Lost person, He'll help you see things the way that God intends. And not the way the world perceives. If you need to pray this morning, would you come? Sing for us when you're ready. I've shared with you what's on my heart. I... I could preach on this the rest of the day. That wouldn't help you to understand it any better than what you already do. If you just can't see right this morning, come get some help.
Let the Lord work on your eyes. Sing for us, please. When you're ready. If you need to do business with the Lord, you obey God. Today I beg you to come. You are weak in Ask the Lord to open your blinded no eyes. Can you find the Lord has showed you your need of Him. This would be the day to get right with God. Helps right on time. Child of God, would you perceive that the Lord wants to do a work in your life?